And I think those experiences were especially because I, I didn't want to play with Barbies and I didn't want to make crafts and I didn't want to do these quintessential girly things as a kid that I came up against uh, the church in that way. I remember um, I, I, I always dreamt of traveling the world. My dad traveled the world growing up and I was like, one day I'm going to do it. And I remember being told, you know, that that's great, but you should wait until you're married. Welcome to Undiscussed. The show where we talk about things Christians should talk about, but often don't. This week, we discuss feminism with Molly and Melanie Thomas. Welcome to Undiscussed. My name is Eric. My name is Patrick. And on this show, we talk about the things that uh, we think Christians should talk about. Now, Eric, what do we mean when we say that? Well... The full thing I would say is Christians should talk about, but often don't. Yes. And, and so there are topics in the church that sometimes are taboo, sometimes just don't get discussed, sometimes people are afraid. Uh, just don't have the language to speak Don't have the language, it. don't feel empowered to speak on an, on an issue. But sometimes Christians do have uh, a history of talking about these things. So it's it's not that no one talks about this, but we want to start a conversation. So undiscussed, talking about the things that Christians don't often, but they should. Yeah. And uh, if if the topics on these shows are something that you talk about uh, very frequently with your friends and in churches, that's amazing. And we'd love to uh, contribute to that conversation and continue to talk about those things. But I would bet all the money that I have, which is not much, but I would bet it that um, there are some uh, like some churches or some Christian circles that just probably don't talk about the things that your church does and vice versa. So we're trying to cover all the bases and we're trying to um, just open the conversation and give a platform for people to discuss these things more openly. And the thing that I've been excited about is, Pat, you and I have approached this as learners very much, uh, you know, as to, well, I'm a white dude, you're a half white dude. Yep. Um, we don't pretend to be experts on subjects. We don't pretend to have all the answers. And so we start the conversation, and even for ourselves, to learn from our guests. And so we, we've had various guests talking about things that have taught us a lot, and we've, we've had great conversations. And today is going to be one of the best, I think. I, it's hard to rate them because they just get better and better in my mind. Yeah. Sorry to those who came before. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're talking with the Thomas sisters, Molly and Melanie, today about feminism. Yeah, and Molly is a TV host and producer, and uh, Melanie, her sister, is uh, in the philanthropy industry. Can you call it the philanthropy industry? Yeah. Is that philanthropy industry? Philanthropy space. Yeah, world. the world. Yeah. They like the word space a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Space is a big space. thing now. Yeah, we like spaces. Yeah. We don't like space. industry. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah, uh, I was interested um, to talk to you guys because I know you guys are like super opinionated um, on pretty what? much everything. Uh, no. <laughs> come on. And we love opinions. You guys, uh, I, the way you guys interact with each other and like come to your own conclusions and even how you work out what you guys believe in your own lives. Uh, it's just been something uh, that is, I think, something to model um, with others. And even just as we are setting up the microphones and chatting, it's like, this is going to be a rip-roaring interview because <laughs> these ladies have some thoughts on on the topic we're talking about today. We have some feistiness, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a lot. Too much. Without m much further ado, I'd love to uh, light a little bit of fire um, on, on this <laughs> and just throw out a word here. Feminism. How does that land on you? I sense that 
everybody who hears that word feels something about it, positively, negatively, conflicted, confused. It it forces you to feel something. How does that how does that word make you feel, and how do you guys define it? Feminism, go. Yeah, I think uh, the first thing that comes to mind for me is is confusion. Uh, growing up in in the church, in, in the landscape of trying to understand who we are before the Lord, uh, and also the the constructs that the church might put on you. I think feminism and that word is a word that we run from. And so you have that side, but then you work and you live in the professional world, in the secular world, where it is absolutely needed in the equality and the social fabric of our society. And so wrestling between those two, I think it just leads you to the big word that comes around confusion for me. Mel? Yeah, I would I would second that. And it's definitely confusing. And I, I think my feelings change depending on where I'm saying it because of others' reactions to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I, was, uh, I was talking to some friends, even in the last six months, and the word feminist comes up a lot. And I found it so funny that uh, my friends who aren't Christians said to me, Mel, I don't care if you call yourself a feminist or not, because you're a feminist. And then two months later, I'm in a conversation at my church, and several people in, the, you know, in our group chatting were like, Mel, you know, I, I hear what you know, your care about women's rights, but I would never call you a feminist. Yeah. And it's so interesting. I'm the same person, and I and I try to be the same person regardless of what circles I'm in. But two different perspectives because of what what does feminism mean? What is what does it all entail? Um, and and so I think I, I'm with you know with Molly on that that it's confusing as a Christian woman who believes that women should be empowered and have equal rights and opportunities. You know, do you do you take on that title, or, yeah. or do you not? So uh, maybe a, a question that's begged is how would you define feminism then? Right. Well, I, you know, getting ready for this podcast made me do a little homework. Oh. Do a little oh, homework. Miriam Webster's defines. Yeah, Webster <laughs> defines how, no, but I, I was curious because, you know, in the church especially, we're so against, majority is so against the word feminism and say we, we, we're, not, we're not feminists. But do we understand what it represents? Like, do we understand the history of it? So I just want to really quickly go over... So we all have a, a foundation on, on what is feminism? What's yeah. the history of it? Yeah, agree on the terms. and Agree on yeah. the terms, and then we can kind of take off. This so is, This is where Pat and I learn. Yeah, this is <laughs> the learning. This is where we're all, this I was learning. Learning. We're all learning. Should cue up a little learning music yeah. now. Yeah. This is the learning portion of the yeah, podcast. Yeah, take out the, take out, like, dust off the textbooks here. Um, so there's, there was three, three main waves of feminism. So the first wave um, happened between the 19th, early 20th century. This was about overturning legal inequalities. And it particularly focused on women's right to vote. Right, women's suffrage. So that happened in the first wave. The second wave happened between the 1960s and 1980s. They were focused on systemic sexism. So the idea that, you know, should women's place be only in the home? Should only men belong in the public sphere? Is what started the conversation. And then we get into that bra burning images of the 60s and 80s. So as the second wave grew, um, issues issues grew within the feminist movement around sex, around relationships, access to abortions, domestic labor, women's right to have credit cards under their own names, women's ability to apply for mortgages, uh, they fought to outlaw marital marital rape, uh, they raised awareness about domestic violence, they fought against sexual harassment in the workplace. Um, and then the third wave came in the 1990s to, some would say, the early 2000s. Um, and this also focused on sexual harassment in the workplace. And it also embraced fighting for trans rights. Um, and so when we think about that, all those issues and all those topics jam-packed into the history of feminism, 
it makes me wonder, you know, as a, as a Christian, where do we align and where do we, you know, misalign? And just because I don't agree with every issue talked about, does that mean I can't embrace that word? Or is there a way to, to, to talk about that topic and, and still sparse out the issues that we stand for and we don't? Yeah, I, I, I sense that, like, the Christian uh, world adds an entirely new layer of complexity into the feminism uh, discussion, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more soon. Um, the, the crazy things I heard you saying that, though, is, like, I can't imagine, maybe there is, but I can't imagine any of our listeners saying, you know, women shouldn't have the right to vote. They shouldn't be able to have their own mortgage or their own credit card. That's the one that threw me. Yeah. I'm like, why wouldn't you be able to have your own credit well, card? Yeah, and we're talking about the 60s to 80s, right? That second wave, also, you have to think about the time frame. That's not that long ago. No. Uh, there's people, obviously, still with us that, that grew up during that time. And so we have to remember, like, how fast some of this has moved to. And there yeah. are brands of feminism, too, right? Like, there's different sects. There's liberal feminism. There's radical. There's socialist. Uh, there's eco-feminism. Like, there's so many different groupings. So just to say that you fall under feminism as a whole is a very loaded term. Yeah. And I think you have to really have to decipher through that. And that takes time. And that takes... Uh, being educated around it, that takes a lot of reading and talking to different people from different perspectives. Maybe you fall under some of those brands, maybe you don't. Maybe this is a false equivalency, but as I'm like learning more about feminism and all that it means, I feel similarly to how like I even identify as a Christian sometimes. You could tell someone like, oh, I'm a Christian. And they're like, you could have such insanely different views and like, oh, okay, so like you vote for Trump then. Like, oh, actually... Um, what? Yeah, <laughs> so, so we talked say. about right. this. We've been talking about this. Like, what do labels mean? Yeah. Like, so, Melanie, you felt really strongly about this because you said that it's not just about being a feminist or it's not just about being a Christian because we wear so many labels all the time. Right. Like, what, yeah. what do we identify with? Like, if I was thinking, you know, first and foremost, I'm a Christian. Yeah. But that's not the only identifier I use in the public. I say I'm Canadian. I say I'm a visible minority. And some of those terms, like you said, Christianity, but even being Canadian and, and traveling around the world, you know, some communities have had uh, really bad experience with Canadian companies, specifically like, you know, mining companies and human rights atrocities. And so being Canadian around the world can be taken negatively. Yeah. But does that mean I'm, I don't say I'm Canadian? Does that mean because I disagree with the government on topics, I'm not Canadian? Yeah. So we're able to, to go into the gray a lot easier on other labels, but it seems like with feminism, we just do a hard stop. It's black or white. You're either right. all or nothing. And, and that's been an interesting, because I've never actually in public called myself a feminist before because of how loaded and negative it's taken within the Christian circles. Yeah, it's, it's very nuanced is what Melanie and I have been learning. And uh, a lot of the principles that we live our life by, a lot of people, again, would say, of course, you guys are feminists. Yeah. Right. But not necessarily within the Christian church. And the, and the sad thing is that we just don't talk about it. You know, we're usually the ones that are sparking these conversations, but most people don't want to follow up on it. Right. Most people like get awkward and try to get out of our conversations. We're the ones that like confrontation. We like to like debate things and like figure things out and be like, why do we think this way? You know, what does the Bible actually say about those things? And uh, we find a lot of people will run from the conversation. That's not the same in our secular groups. Everyone wants to talk about this stuff. It's like frontline. You face it every day. You're dealing with the gender pay gap. You're dealing with the fact that you can't get ahead in your job. You know, like there's, it's, it's everywhere around you. And so it's just interesting. It's interesting that the two groups seem so separated. 
I, I kind of want to just clip that out and use that as like a commercial for this podcast because that's exactly <laughs> the thing that like makes makes me want to have these discussions. Even though I know nothing about most of the things we're talking about, what the culture is talking about most of the times is not the same discussions that are happening like within the walls of the church or in Christian communities. So part of my curiosity is like, why did, why is it even that way? Like, why do Christians, maybe it's hard to generalize uh, and you can't speak for everybody, but why do you think Christians are... Like scared of this topic or they shy away or they're not willing to have these conversations? Well, I'm just going to seem like the biggest nerd on this podcast, but I also want to talk about, um, I think answering that question is, you know, where has this idea of women and uh, the church's thinking around women, where did it derive from? And um, I just happened to do a little bit of research. I just to do a little research. <laughs> yeah. She loves research people. She's a lawyer. Let's be I real. Do, I Come do. on. You got to research, you gotta research before here. you talk. Um, and Dr. Sarah Sumner, so she did this amazing article on historical church oppression against women, specifically around early church fathers. So I just want to give you a couple snapshots of early church fathers and, and their view on women. This is amazing. Hit me. Okay. So Tertullian. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. I'm going to hit you. We're going back in time with this one. The learning hat is back on. The learning hat. I, I feel... Cue the music. We're punching above our weight class here. <laughs> Every day. Every day. Um, but Tertullian. So he lived around 200 AD. So this uh, was a church father who famously coined the term Trinity. So the word Trinity, news to me, does not exist in the Bible. This man created that term. And he likened all women to Eve, calling them the devil's gateway and the unsealer of the forbidden tree. It was because of Eve, Tertullian argues, that all mankind has been condemned to death. Ambrose, Bishop of Milan around 400 AD, thought it was a fact of nature that men are superior to women. Um, Augustine, also around 400 AD, one of the most famous theologians in history, believed women's sole purpose was procreation. And so if we take these ideas of the early church fathers and their thinking around women as Christianity was spreading, and this is the way they viewed women, you know, how does that trickle down into today's society and the mindset that we have in the church? So are we taking um, this viewpoint from early church fathers that's continuing to live on in our church? Or are we going back to the Bible as a source in the way that the Bible talks about women and the way that Jesus treated women? And I I argue, um, I think along with Dr. Sarah Sumner, that there is a difference between those two viewpoints, but we are heavily influenced by these terrible <laughs> thoughts on women from the early days. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to look far, I think, in the Bible to, to see perfect examples of how Jesus breaks the barrier with women all the time. Um, my, one of my favorite stories is the Samaritan woman. Um, she's a lady that was an outcast in her society, not only because of being a woman at that time. Remember, the, the Jewish prayer was like, thank you, God, that I wasn't born a woman. That was the time of life that we're talking about when Jesus walked around the earth. And not only was she a woman, she was from Samaria. This is like a group that was completely ostracized. Uh, the Jewish community was very racist towards. And Samaria, that that one part of of the world, Jewish people would like walk hundreds of kilometers around it just not to talk to anyone from that area. That's how racist that area was. And Jesus specifically goes right through Samaria. Like he does it intentionally. He knew that woman was going to be at the well. And this is a woman that even within her own community is ostracized, right? She's known for kind of going around the block, for having a lot of husbands. And Jesus knows she's there. He knows that no one wants to talk to her. He knows that she's going to be alone. And he goes directly for her. And I just think it's, a, it's the most perfect story of Jesus being like, there are no barriers here. 
right? Even in that time of life, there are no barriers to the fact that everybody needs me, but there are no barriers to the fact that you are a woman and you are beautifully and wonderfully made. And I have great plans for you. And that Samaritan woman, after she encounters Jesus, runs and tells people about Jesus. I mean, she's the one that like changes that community because of the power of Jesus. I just, you know what I mean? Like how much should that be an empowering force for women that are Christians around the world to say, oh my goodness, like I have this spirit in me. I should be running with that. But somehow in the church, we've come to a place where like women don't understand their roles. They don't understand their place. They don't feel empowered. They don't feel like they can share things other than outside specific roles. Like we grew up in churches where you can only be a pastor if you're a pastor of kids. Or you, you know, your serving ministry should be in the tea and coffee area because the hospitality is a women's thing. Hey, if God gave you that gift, go and run into it. I think that's amazing. Well, of course, developing children is one of the most important, um, if not the most important, you know, place to really raise the next generation. However, does that, is that all that God gives us in gifts? Whoa, no. And I think that the church has gotten that wrong in so many ways. That that maybe opens the door a little bit to we've talked about uh, it more generally but I'd love to hear uh, some of your experiences with the church and um, like your story of what it's like to be a woman growing up in the church and and uh, I see some smiles so I have a feeling we're about to go to school again how much time you guys got today living in the school this morning (laughs) what years of my life do you want to hear from The most significant, <laughs> impactful moments that like even built the foundation for who you are today, whether you were like opposed to how you were treated or it, like it helped you, like empower you to become the person who you are. Like, what were some significant moments growing up that helped define, I mean, your view of like you mm-hmm. know, yourself even as a woman? Yeah, I mean, so I should I should say because it's important that as as a kid I was a tomboy, like tomboy through and through was living in my basketball shorts and like t-shirt every day she was i was big boy was i like, was with the barbie so i was like yeah. uh can you come hang out with me and i was like no way no. okay <laughs> there's no way and so sundays were the day that i had to trade those clothes in for like a lacy frock sunday dress right for frock. sunday dress yeah it was a frock and i'm i will say it was an they ugly, weren't all frocks i liked a lot of those dresses but i just want to point that it was out a frock and i was forced into it but honestly i think more than the clothes but that's kind of frame of mind that you need to now adjust to whatever this church setting is like and uh, and then on top of it you know, i had so many unfortunate experiences i think at, at a really young age in the church um that was influential because in the in the public school and outside the church I was allowed to be me and I was it was celebrated and it was it was great but I remember I went to church camp um, and several times I would be asked to come uh, stop playing basketball with the boys and was told it's more appropriate to to make crafts with the girls or yeah right because it's little things little little things things, right that you may not even like notice if you didn't pay that close attention yeah right So, so it's almost like from a very young age being a woman means these few specific things. You dress this way, you act this way, your interests are these. Yeah, and I think we went to like a conservative church but not an ultra conservative church just keep that in mind right right right. and that and I think those experiences were especially because I I didn't want to play with Barbies and I didn't want to make crafts and I didn't want to do these quintessential girly things as a kid that I came up against uh, the church in that way I remember um, I I, I always dreamt of traveling the world my dad traveled the world growing up and I was like one day I'm going to do it and I remember being told you know that that's great but you should wait until you're married and then you can travel with your husband 
Like, what kind of message is that for young girls that you need to get a ring before you can buy a plane ticket? You know, and it's it, it's that kind of a norm um, of experience. I remember I went to a Christian basketball camp and I was scolded for uh, switching my jersey um, out in the open from dark to light. And I got scolded about it. And then right after the boys came on the court and were playing shirts versus skins. No problem. You know, and there's just all these experiences that before I even turned like 15, I had this image of the church of restrictions and rules and this mold that, you know, my tomboy aggressive nature just didn't fit in really well with. I'm surprised you didn't have a manual that like outlined <laughs> right. everything Where that you had to you can, and, can I, and I broke most of them. <laughs> it usually was break it and then get in trouble. Which that, that's, it, it strikes me because as a boy growing up in the church, I felt like I could just like, I didn't really have to change that much. I probably had to like swear less in church or like maybe <laughs> just not a like little. hurt just people. Still got hold back like, not on be a bully that. or not steal candy or whatever. Right. Like there are, you know, basic things things but right. I didn't feel like I had to change who I fundamentally was in order to to come and fit into the church I don't know if that experience is, is like normal for most boys growing up but I definitely didn't have that same experience hmm. of like altering um like who I fundamentally was like oh don't do that you have to do this it's right appropriate well they did not succeed that. with Mel let me tell you oh, yeah. <laughs> still, still not crafting guys. Yeah. still not crafting still not crafting what about you Molly um I think uh, I think Melanie probably had a little bit more than I did, but uh, one thing that always consistently stuck out to me was was pastors preaching around Proverbs thirty one, mm. and I would mm, I have that, just that that subject yeah that, that passage <laughs> that passage um, you know and I always looked at it every time I'd heard it from a pulpit it was like the expectation of of a a, a woman to be a wife and a mother and that's all we heard and I remember one pastor even saying it was so hurtful that I. I, I was like fuming in my chair. Um, some gentleman was saying, you know, I'm having a really tough time in my marriage. It's going really rough. It's not working out the way like I come home and, you know, there's no food. And like I, you know, I come home and there's no like my my Eric's like cowering at that. Yeah. Idea. <laughs> he's, like, he's shrinking over here. You no, know, my laundry that. isn't done. And the pastor said, well, you know, you didn't marry a Proverbs 31 woman. Wow. And these <laughs> these are the things that. You know, as women growing up, full disclosure, Melanie and I aren't really great cooks. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. God <laughs> no, has not no blessed us with marry that. me for any of those things. That, you know, that's not going to be the thing. But I just look at it and I'm like, you know, Melanie and I really went back and studied that passage. We've had a chance to speak on it a few times. Um, and man, look at this passage. Like it talks about a wife of noble character. But it talks about how, yes, she is a mother and how she provides for her family. But it talks about how she inspects a field and buys it. It talks about how her hands are busy spinning thread. It talks about how she extends a hand to the poor. Like there are so many facets to the woman of Proverbs 31. And yet we never talk about that. She was a businesswoman. Let's be real. She was a businesswoman while handling her family, while taking care of her household. And most importantly, who was her husband? People forget this one. Let's all look at verse 23 in Proverbs 31. Her husband is well known at the city gates. Hello, men, step up to the city gates. Are you standing out there at the city gates? Because it, it is so frustrating because you want this like model of a biblical character of who a wife should be. And yes, everything in here is, is God ordained. But are you crazy? Like, are you stepping up? Are you a man are at the delusional? city gates? Yeah. <laughs> right? And so it's so easy to take parts of the Bible and say, this is who a wife should be. But I'm like, you're not reading the whole passage. You're not looking at the complexities of it. And the fact that like this passage wasn't meant as we learned and studied, it's not meant for a woman to be all of those things at exactly the same time. Yeah. A wife means a lifetime of a wife. 
and the seasons that the Lord takes her through. And some of that might involve kids. Maybe it doesn't. Some of it might involve being in a business. Maybe it doesn't. You know, it's like, what but does God call you to? Opportunities. Like, and, and if we think about when this text was written, it's like this ancient text that gives women this multitude of opportunities of ways that they could use their giftings. And it's actually such an empowering passage. And I met a woman just last week who said that her husband would, would hoard that passage over her as her inadequacies. When in reality, it's supposed to, you know, it's, it's, it's lifting women up to a, to a stature that wasn't the, the norm in that, in that time period. Like we talked about the Bible being oppressive to women. Like this passage is, is groundbreaking. Of, is groundbreaking. Yeah, I recently heard someone talk about uh, Proverbs 31, um, a potentially controversial figure in the Christian circles. But what she said, like, kind of blew my mind. Um, where, like, she focused on the, the the phrase, like, a woman of valor, like, who can find. And that's such a, like, uh, an empowering, like, beautiful phrase, like, woman of valor. That's supposed to be, like, uplifting. And, like, it should, like, encourage women to be, like, uh, you know, this pro- this proverb actually explains him to be and uh, not just like a simple housewife and subservient anything the lord wants you to be if yeah. god wants you to be a housewife hey god called my mom after 13 years of schooling and three masters and two degrees god called her to be a housewife yeah was that her plan a hundred percent no but she was flexible enough to say lord in the situation you have me in, and in the fact that my husband's going to be traveling 85 percent of the year internationally and he's not home you have called me now to raise my kids and i'm going to do that she went back and now she's working again. But you know what? She sacrificed for us big time. But like that wasn't necessarily part of the plan. So I think that the, the key to Proverbs 31 or, you know, the key to the, the Bible for anyone, whether you're a man or a woman, it's like, do we love the Lord enough to be flexible to the plans that he has for us? And that can be anything. And that's, that's the most exciting part about the Bible. Instead of like pushing into these molds, I remember um, having a conversation with some, some friends who were guys and we were, we were talking about men and women's roles. And I remember the guy said, well, you know, in my house, I will be in charge of the finances. And I was like, okay, okay, let's, let's play this out. So you are in kinesiology. Love kinesiology. It's hey, important. Hey, back off. I love, I love, I love, <laughs> there's, there's, there's no, there's no hate, there's no hate on kinesiology. But I was like, let's say you marry an investment banker. Right. Whose life and expertise are in finance or, you know, or an accountant. You would still take care of the finances over her, or a woman a with a music degree. Right. Let's, let's just say, yeah. I still want her to look out for the finances. Yeah. Either way, yeah, right. But like that kind of mindset—that it's like I'm not even going to evaluate what kind of skill sets or t- education or training we've received. I'm just going to say, as the man or you as the woman, this is what you need to do or fit into, so that this, I don't know, power dynamic plays out in the home. And and I'm like, where is that in the Bible? I think that's such a key thing. And we will talk about this more on a different podcast because it's not what we're here to talk about. But even as like on the flip side, like there's so much that's culturally expected, even Christian culturally <laughs> expected of men um, to be a certain way. And I, I remember like during the, the Mark Driscoll era, which I have respect for some of the things that he said. And I like I like a lot of what he says, but the, he was painting this image of like a man that I'm like, I actually don't fit into that. Does that mean I'm not like a good Christian or a good biblical man? And then I started like looking into it and talking to people and how this relates to what you were saying is that so much of what we believe and follow is culturally defined and we assume it onto the Bible and say like, oh, like I'm supposed to be like this badass, like UFC 
gypsy type of like upfront loud uh, like Christian man in order to be like a, like a leader who's basically like you know telling people what to do in order to be a good Christian. I can't just quietly lead in the background. But it's support not support my wife. Yeah, you know? like encourage people. Yeah, I mean maybe like, God gave her that leadership. What if right? I want to make cupcakes and they're the, like the most badass right. cupcakes in the church? Amazing. Like, I should yeah. be able to, right? I, totally. I but we agree. If you make cupcakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, any Sunday. Any Sunday. Yeah. We love it. I mean, we've seen in our church uh, a lot of men uh, work in the kids ministry. And that's something that I never saw growing up in the churches that I was involved in. And I really love it because it says the value of children growing up, the next generation, is on both genders. Yeah. And I strongly believe that. And I think if you model that in the church, it reflects in your home. It reflects in the place that like, hey, God's called us to like invest in the next generation if that is your calling. But that calling is not gender defined. Maybe I could take it a slightly different direction. Um, I'm curious, so growing up as a boy, like the male pronouns of God and, and everything, I never even thought twice about that. I connected with it. I had a dad, whatever. I'm wondering, what is it like uh, for those listeners who are men or boys who will one day be men, uh, hopefully? Move out of their parents' basements, and <laughs> there's nothing wrong with a parents' basement situation. It's a cultural thing. I'm just gonna say that. The cost of rent is going yeah. in Toronto. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I just had to get a little Mark Driscoll in there. But uh, what is it like growing up in the church as a as a woman? It can be hard. I think that what Melanie and I have really found is, you know, we always were people that had these huge dreams these huge career dreams and, and, and things that the Lord has really started to grow as we went into our education and, and we really prayed into God, where do you want to use us in this world with our skill sets that you've given us? And we felt so empowered to do that in, in everything from internships to opportunities to going overseas to, you know what I mean? Like in the secular world, we got pushed ahead. But we feel like anomalies in some ways in a lot of Christian circles. There, there's not a lot of um, women around us that have had the same types of dreams. And we're living in downtown Toronto. Like this is the most, uh, if we're talking Christian churches, I mean, you go out to the suburbs, it's a whole different ball game. But I'm talking downtown Toronto, you know, even in our church friends and groups, a lot of times like there's not a lot of girls that, you know, have the same kind of passions. And, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But I always wonder like, why is the demographic so different Skewed, from yeah. everyone around us. And I, you know, you look at, even in the secular world, you look at um, the fact that in, tr- in careers like engineering, sciences, tech, it's mostly been men, right? Why has that been? Um, the government educators have seen that it's because at a very young age, young girls haven't been encouraged to say, hey, you also could be an astronaut, you also could be building this or that, you know, like you could be an architect if you want. And instead of pushing them towards maybe like being a nurse or something like, or being a teacher, nothing wrong with that. But it's just, it's interesting, right? And so you see that move with science, space camps, all these things for young girls right now, specifically to say, to encourage them to, to dream outside the box of what gender maybe put them in. And so I think it, it's reflective, I think also of the church because Melanie and I, you know, we do a lot of speaking. We talk to a lot of young women. And, and we find it hard when like there's not a there doesn't seem to be a lot of dreams for careers. And that is so drastic to the secular world that we live in. I mean, like Melanie told me like the biggest prayer request you heard, Mel? Yeah. So like a couple months ago, um, I met these amazing grade 11 and 12 women. They're just on fire for God. And so uh, 
we did a time of prayer. And so we're like, hey, what's everyone's prayer request? Group of 10 of them, everyone's prayer request was to find a boyfriend. Everyone. And I don't have a problem with girls wanting to have a boyfriend. You know, this no, is, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. But I'm like, you're at a grade 11 and 12. You're just about to finish high school. Yeah, it's a number one. Moment. If you have one prayer request before yeah. the Lord at that stage in your life, yeah. that's your biggest prayer request. You like, almost want to give another chance. Like, all right. right. All right. Really right. Come on, guys. <laughs> Like, right. it's like, why are we not dreaming bigger? And I think that, like... Or why are we dreaming more diverse? Yeah, right? sorry, like, sorry, like, not bigger. Why are we dreaming more diverse? And I think it was it was so painful for me to hear that because I was like, I'm good with some of that being your dreams, but all, that's unanimously the dream. So let me tell you, um, <laughs> and from my experience, <laughs> the amount of opportunities I've been able to have because at that age, I stayed single and I could come and go and jump countries and opportunities last minute and so as we were talking about this and they were like no one's ever told us that before no one in 2018 no one's ever told you the opportunities you can get because you're single and you're flexible and you can run after things and you can do things without getting married getting married you know what i mean like maybe god calls you to that early maybe he doesn't and your life is not over at 25 if god doesn't because that means he has something crazy for you look at the people who are single in the bible yeah like look at paul's life he's like running with the lord and so if anything we should be excited about that because hey if i'm not hitched to anybody that means me and the lord it's just you and i and we are running and i think that like somehow young women are not in the church are not getting that and it is really, really frustrating for Melanie and I because we look at it and we're like, who are going to be the next leaders that are believers in the Lord that are dealing with some of these complex issues, especially in the secular space? Who are you going to be? Like that should scare us because we want men there. We also want women there. And we, wanna, we and want to be leadership and yeah. taking leadership roles in that. Like I, I look at the church and I'm like, how are we developing the next generation of leaders? How are we developing the next generation of female leaders? And honestly, like, like historically, currently, the statistics of the who's who holds all the power, who holds the microphone, who holds the decision-making capacity within churches, it's men. And and then on top of it, you know, when we have that conversation around, you know, can men and women meet alone ever? Can men, and, you know, how close can a woman be? Um, um, to a man within the church, like unless we take the take the posture that men and women are brothers and sisters in the church, we're going to create this gap between men and women. And the fact of it is, the power all lies with men. Like there's no there's no chance that we're going to be developing Christian leaders with the way that uh, how the leadership is held right now. And unless honestly there's a difference of perspectives of of how we are a church family and how we need to build each other up. I don't see that changing. I think in I think in the workplace there are movements, there's sponsorship programs, there's mentorship programs, there's an intentional focus, not perfectly, there, there needs to be more done, but there's an intentional focus on building up female leadership. I don't see any kind of equivalent to that within within the church. Maybe a question that I have, um, I look at you guys and I'm like blown away at like how accomplished and articulate and and that you are who and I I say like I would hold you up as role models for young women to look up to who were people that like forged the path for you or that you looked up to that helped you to get to where you are and how can you know women be that for for younger girls and younger women as well Mm -hmm. i mean i think we were blessed to grow up in a really strong christian home Um, we were blessed to have parents that 
pushed us and 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 maybe that's the Indian side where we're two Indian sisters maybe the Indian side comes in where they're like no dating you're going to focus on school but there was a push that said education and knowledge is power is the is the focus of our in our in our house we had a tiger mom we had a tiger mom just so people out there if you don't know what that means google asian tiger mom it's a real thing and my mom my mom's face will pop out (laughs) the google image search will be my mom and so (laughs) (laughs) and so that's and so and my dad had this thing that said you know Mel, you can be the prime minister of Canada if you want. That's what I was told as a kid. So I had this very, this home that was very empowering that said, as long as you do it in God's will, as long as you're following God's will. And I, and even though I had a really negative experience with the church growing up, I had this real sense of who God was in my life. And so I would go to him as a kid and I'd be like, all I hear about in church is women being like sweet and mild mannered and you know, loving their frocks and their crafts. Like, God, you didn't make me like that. So what do you want to do with that? You gave me dreams to, to travel the world, not to, I don't, the dreams of being a mother were never top of the list. And I really felt that, you know, with my parents' encouragement, um, with the sense of who God was in my life, that he was directing me. Um, and then later in life, there's there's influential people that have come in, but it, it was hard. I feel like a lot of my teenage years, especially, I didn't have a lot of Christian influence outside of my parents and my siblings. And and so easily, I feel very blessed that it, that didn't deviate me to, to rebel from those experiences. But God kept pulling me in and saying, like, you are my child. I have big plans for you. You know, like, don't don't walk away from me because you're hurt by the way that the church is, is reacting to you. Um, and now, you know, Molly and I feel very strongly that we we want to talk about these conversations because it's not about us rejecting the church. We, are, we believe in the church. The church is... God's body. God works through the church in miraculous ways. And so it's not about us rejecting the church because of our experience, but saying we have a voice here and I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that platform. And even if someone's not going to give it to me, I might like just push myself into it because this needs to be talked about. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of stuff to do, I guess. Uh, I think mentorship is probably a really huge part of it. I think that that I think overall in the church, we're missing mentorship opportunities. And that's not just for women. That's for men as well. But um, a clear mentorship program. Melanie and I found this uh, cool program in the U.S. that is mentoring people in professional fields. And so we have literally put our names in. I don't know if they take Canadians, but we would love to be paired up with someone uh, because we have a lot of mentors. But to have mentors in professional spaces, even similar spaces to our own, I think would help us a lot and also be able to pour into a younger generation um, because there's just unique challenges that we face in our fields that you have to ask someone that's been there. Um, I think that's a huge part of the discussion. And as far as I know, uh, for everything that I've looked into, there's nothing like that in Canada. Maybe that's an opportunity for Mel and I to... <laughs> if, if those something. listening, you know it, just tweet it out at us. Yeah. Because if there is something, we'd love to know. Um, but another part of it is educating kids in the church. The way that we raise up the next generation is is really key. The way that we empower them in the church, the way that uh, we speak to young girls and young boys, the way that we run Sunday schools, those matter because it enables them to, to see what the Lord has for them. And I think that's a really huge thing for us. I think um, for sure our family was the biggest support. I think even having Melanie, um, I can't downplay, you know, as much as we fight, I can't downplay the value. <laughs> The value of having a sister that is a super critical mind and that we come at these discussions and sometimes we're full blown yelling at each other because we come from such different ends, but it's such a good uh, bouncing off point 
right? Where I can be like, what does this mean? Or like, why does this verse say women should be silent in the church? Let's research this. Let's talk about it. Let's find other people or value to like bring, like let's sit around Proverbs 31 for like like a month and like dig into it. So we actually know what the Lord is trying to say through this. So we can speak confidently, confidently about that. So, you know, we're very, very blessed to have, I think each other to, to have those frank conversations. But um, mentor, I, I am just big on mentorship. You know, I've, I've had a lot of people that have uh, stepped into my life in a spiritual manner, both on accountability levels, but years older, I always tell people you need a mentor that's 10 years older and you need a mentor that's 20 years older and you should be thinking the same downwards as well. And if we don't have that, then how are we going to encourage women? How are we, you know, and Melanie and I have been praying about this because even within our own church and our own Christian community here in Toronto, you know, we're like, how God do we raise up leaders? How do we help people find their spiritual gifts? How do we help people find them and then flourish in them? You know, because if you don't even know them, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we can't, we can't use them. And so that's a big prayer for us. And we've, um, you know, it's been something that this summer we really want to tap into and just start praying over even just the women in our church to be in our, in our fun little living room and just like bow before the Lord and say, God, what do you want to do here? Because there is a big gap here for, um, for women. After the break, Molly and Melanie get practical with advice on how we as a culture can do better at empowering women. This episode is brought to you by Global Aid Network, a nonprofit organization that helps reveal hope and restore life through relief and development initiatives for people living in crisis and injustice. So you're telling me they reveal hope and restore life. Those are some pretty broad concepts, Pat. What, what do you mean by that? That's a pretty good question there, Eric. For example, one of the things that they do is microfinancing for women in Paraguay who run businesses. They receive small loans that help get their businesses off the ground, which helps them flourish as entrepreneurs without having to rely on loan sharks that take advantage of them. It's actually a really cool and practical way to empower women. And uh, pretty coincidental that it's ending up here in our feminism episode. What a coincidence indeed. Global Aid Network also does a lot of other cool things. I have heard that they have something called the Water for Life Project, helping to provide communities with water. They're working with displaced people affected by the Syrian humanitarian crisis and tons more. Wow, that really is a lot of other cool things. I kind of want to learn more about all these projects and initiatives. Well, thanks to the Webernets. Webernets. Internet for <laughs> layman. Uh, you can do just that. Head over to globalaid.net to learn more about how you can get involved. That's globalaid.net. While you were talking, I actually, um, I, it made me wonder, uh, in, in the church, and even in the church that I, I attended in Toronto, um, there's a, a complementarian uh, view overall where, like, you know, the men are in leadership, but women are empowered to do certain things in the church and, uh, like, in, teach in, in certain, um, you know, contexts and everything. And I know uh, Christians that I very strongly respect who are complementarian, who, uh, who believe that, like, it's based on, you know, roles and diff- um, equal but different. And then I, be- I have very, um, very good friends who are egalitarian and say, like, no, 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 you, like, you know, women can do everything in the church uh, that men can do. 
I'm not necessarily interested in like, okay, what team do you play for? Like, are you on this side or that side? Because I don't think that's productive. But um, uh, like, and those terms are loaded too. Just yeah. like we talked about feminism earlier, you can't just put them in a box. Yeah. So it's not so cut and dry. But are there are there verses in the Bible or like things in the Bible that um, that you guys are like currently wrestling with, or you're like you're trying to dig deeper into that you're trying to understand better? Like, what what things do the Bible say that you're like, oh, this is rubs up against me, but like it seems to be in there. And what things can you say like, oh, like we can actually work through this and like contextualize it and actually make sense given the right um, framework? I think, uh, <laughs> well, that's a, that's a nice loaded question. It's I hard, think yeah. uh, uh, the women to be silent in the church has always been one that we've struggled with. I think the uh, marital relationship of submissiveness has always been an interesting conversation for us. But, you know, you can just, you can find so many different interpretations of these things. Um on every side of the coin. I've just found, I just go before the Lord on controversial things and I have to ask him, God, is this a space that I can step into? Is this a space you want me to step into? And to be flexible, to, to listen to him saying yes or no on that. Um, because some of those things are, are super controversial. Melanie's laughing, so she probably is just no, going to be like, I, no, 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 no. I, I, I agree, but I would add a couple bits to that statement. <laughs> I, I saw a new sheet of research come <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, so a new sheet of research. <laughs> Here I am with all my papers. No, I, I agree that we need to go before the Lord, and it's not, about, it's not about me taking the mindset of 2018 and pushing it on the Bible. Yeah. But in the same, the same breath, it's not about, um, I need to also understand the Bible. I need to do homework. Like, Christians, can we do our homework? work because man when I'm when I'm praying to God about my day-to-day job he's like Mel work harder work harder because let me show the examples of hard work and diligence that I talk about in Proverbs that I talk about through King David that I talk about through Jeremiah and Nehemiah and people Deborah who, Esther Deborah let's bring Esther. some women up in here <laughs> right. but like hard work right and do we apply that within our Christian viewpoints or do we just take the soundbite that one person told us or that we were taught as kids and run with it as like absolute truth? Or would you look at context and history and time period and education levels and who the person was talking to and what and, and do we read beyond a verse and do we read the whole book? And I and I think that's important. And then taking all of that, and it's not gonna be clean cut, it was a long time ago. We're not gonna have all the information, but taking all of that, then going before the Lord and saying, God, what do I do with this now? And I and I often find that that home homework piece. Um, we always want the easy way out. I'm not against homework. Why are you pitting this <laughs> up against me? I don't want to say that, but you just jumped to like... I did. The, I did jump know, a so step. I just want to add. I want to add, yeah. <laughs> to add to... The old, uh, it's the old improv uh, golden yes rule. And. Yes, and. yes and. Yes and. <laughs> yes and homework. That's no, one it's the, very important. Yeah, that's one of the things I struggle with sometimes. It's like I'll read a verse and I'll be like, ooh, I don't, like, I don't know if I feel good about that. And I, I sometimes don't know, like, do I... Um, just like reluctantly say like, okay, God, like I know that your thoughts are higher than mine and like I maybe don't feel good about this, but I have to submit to it. Or do I like, you know, start to think like, oh, all right, well, maybe I need to understand this better. And unfortunately, I think it's true for me and maybe a lot for this next generation is that I tend to just... Um, instead of going deeper into the Bible, I go to who I like respect the most to see what they say about it. And I, instead of like, you know, like looking for a greater context or actually looking through like commentaries, which to an extent is other people talking about it too. But I'm, I'm thinking like, oh, who are the preachers that I like? Like, oh, Tim Keller, I normally believe like what he says. So I'll listen to him and like, I, well, he says this, so I can put my weight behind it. Or like, I mean, recently, like I've, I've like read some John Piper stuff that I'm like, oh, 
I don't know if I agree with him on this. And it's the wrestling through uh, like how you actually approach the the verses and like contextualize it. Am I trying to force it into like my you know my beliefs like in like as society in 2018, or do I submit to you know what the Bible says? And that's hard for me. And I I I don't know how to conclude a lot of those um, like investigations. Yeah, I can totally relate. Like especially the John Piper thing. I I for a season like came close to idolizing John Piper and I remember driving out to his church to hear him preach and like he prayed for me and gave me a hug and I just about like melted and and it's a cute picture fanboy <laughs> fanboy over here oh yeah. president I, of the fan club hi yeah <laughs> I totally was yeah. there uh, one of my co-workers was with me and he was like please shower <laughs> don't don't just not shower on the rest of our trip because yeah. of that but it's like you can't just take someone as the authority you have to do your homework like you're saying Mal and it, you have to know what the Bible is saying, ask the Holy Spirit to help you interpret, you know, use the Bible to interpret the Bible, a good hermeneutical principle, because just trusting that some other person's interpretation is gospel truth is dangerous. And uh, it's also, if you come up with something new, that's probably dangerous too, you know, after 2,000 know. years like, of... have that discussion. I think it's like we're scared to have these discussions. We're scared yeah. to ask these questions that are really deep. And I think just a good rule of thumb is read your Bible. That's number one. Research, critically think, and then pray it out. Because yeah. you have to go back before the Lord and you need to seek his Holy Spirit on everything. But, you know, God inspires things all the time. And, and we're human beings that don't know everything that he has for us. And so... It's okay. And Melanie and I talk about this all the time. Like Christians want to package things in perfect answers. Yeah. They want to give a perfect answer. What's your, what's your stance on this? Like, here is my exact yeah. word. Here's the word that we all got in our Sunday school. And, and I'm ready to like, Jesus, are, are you the answer is Jesus. Yeah. Right. It's always like, can <laughs> right, I agree with right. you or can I not? Right. And, right. Then, right. And, if you, and if someone asks you a different question, then you're thrown off. Do you know what I mean? Instead of being like, I don't know. Yeah. But let me go ask the Lord. And let me go look in his word and see what he says and be comfortable to have those conversations, even with people that don't believe in anything about God, because they're the ones that really want to have those conversations to be like, I don't know. Let me go like talk to the Lord and spend some research time on this because, you know, it's valuable for all of us to understand more of this. And And we just don't want to say that. And in that process of conversation, like the talking about the, the hot topics of today with friends who aren't Christian. And them knowing my belief system, but them them not having a personal relationship with Jesus is an opportunity mm-hmm. for me to be like, I struggle with this because this topic, I see where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. The Bible says this, but then I look at the heart of Jesus as a man who went and talked to the woman at the well and how he engaged with those hard moments. And mm-hmm. and I'm in the midst of I don't know. I don't know what I I don't know what I do today, but here's what's on my mind. And let me let me in the process explain to you more about my Jesus. Yeah. And that is so powerful. And, and, and instead of an attacking debate, always conversation, like what if we're just like willing to share our vulnerabilities and our own thought processes, but in the midst of it, share who Jesus is, mm-hmm. because there are so many examples, Jesus washing um, the disciples' feet, um, you know, Jesus bringing Mary and Martha into the conversation, and, you know, and there's so many examples of, of Jesus's heart for for God and, and sharing the gospel while he was here and healing people and loving on those who've been rejected. And that's the message that is so powerful in today's society. 
And that's not the message that people are seeing when they talk to Christians or when you say you're a Christian. Is that the picture that people have in the mind that you're there to self-sacrifice for others? I don't think so Mm -hmm. because we're not talking about it because we're just fighting. And I think... Well, something that Pat said there, like, are you on my team or not? A lot of it comes down to, um, and my church talks a lot about this, and I love this, like a bounded set versus uh, a centered set. So it's a mathematical term. So a bounded set being you must be this tall to ride this ride. Mm -hmm. You've got these positions, these requirements. And if you fit within that set, then you're a bounded set. Whereas a centered set is you have a trajectory that you're aiming for, and as long as you're aiming for the center, you're part of the centered set. And so our church talks about Jesus being our center, and it doesn't matter how far away you are from Jesus, but whether you're pointed to him or not, versus you're this tall to ride this ride. Have you crossed the line? Have you crossed the line? (laughs) And it's it's dangerous because you don't have a bad analogy but you don't have a stick to beat people with into the into the box to say you got to conform to this uh rule set so people look different they can come at things different but it it opens up the gospel to be much more uh life-giving in my experience anyway and i think anytime we're talking about these really tough topics that people especially in the secular world really struggle with and and they they find christians one-sided or they just can't have those conversations if you have that opportunity where god gives you those circles um i think james 119 is the perfect way to approach it like we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak and the more that we can listen to our friends and listen to their heart and listen to their stories and understand where their experiences are coming from the better way that we can pray for them the better way that we can go before the lord and be like god how do i actually approach these conversations and you know what we're going to learn stuff too like we are not immune to learning and we are not immune to like going back to God's word and being like, is that what you really said? You know what I mean? Or is, is this another point that I have to struggle with and be vulnerable with my friends about, but until we're like quick to listen first, slow to speak. And I think that is just a failing part of, of our Christian culture. And that was what Jesus was all about. Yeah. And I, I think you guys have both kind of illuminated uh, part of the reason why I think Christians, um, avoid talking about these things. Like you said, like we, we want to wrap up everything in a neat little package and present a complete gift to somebody. Oh, here it is. Like no strings attached. Right. And even like you just saying, like having honest conversations and think like, I'm struggling with this. I feel like Christians aren't allowed to say like, I don't actually know, or I'm, I'm figuring it out. It honest, I swear to you, it was just like within the last two years when I realized that as a Christian, I was allowed to say, maybe I'm wrong about this. Right. Like, I always thought, like, in talking with people, I'm like, I have to have the answers. I have totally. to have the apologetics, like, training to, like, you know, like, make my argument, like, sealed. But just that little switch of saying, I could be wrong. And right. maybe I just need to, like, keep looking into it. Maybe I have to be open. And, like, that, that doesn't mean the exact opposite of saying, like, I can't decide on anything. I can't, like, close my mind on any yeah. truth. Nope. But it's just the humility to talk to someone and say, like, Maybe you got something there. I totally disagree with you, but maybe there's something that you're seeing that I'm not based yep. on your perspective. Right. And if we were just like allowed to to not know everything right. for a little bit, I feel like we could probably have more productive right. conversations. We wouldn't be so scared. I'm scared of like looking like an idiot most of the time when I talk. So sometimes I just don't. So if I can just like 
lean into the looking like an idiot a little bit more, maybe the conversations can be a bit more productive. Looking like an idiot sometimes, but then like going back after those feeling like an idiot conversations and, yeah. and learning and being like, God, what do you want to teach me here? Because I have a community around me that is asking questions. Yeah. And if I'm not willing to to put in the work to like understand you better, what is the point of us being here? Mm-hmm. What's the point of us being relevant to anyone that doesn't know who Jesus is? Because if they're missing Jesus, then they're missing everything. And yeah. how are we, how, and going back to, you know, within the church, how are we training or, or raising children and, and young adults and adults to have that posture? Right? Yeah. Like it goes, you know, like how are we encouraging kids to, to question? Or are we like, nope, there's the answer. The Bible, you know, the, the Sunday school textbook says this. Like, yeah. are we encouraging that? Because if not, then Christians, how are we, how are we going to be influencing the world if we can't start jumping into those gray spaces and, and start being invited into those conversations? And, you know, so, so even with, you know, I, I, I'm happy that, you know, we found a church where when I disagree with the pastor, it's okay that I message him. Mm-hmm. I think you probably expect me to message him. We do it a like, lot. We do, yeah. do it a lot. <laughs> you know, but, but, it, but it's okay. And we it's not you. your anti, <laughs> you're not anti-church because you're questioning things. Yeah. And we as a, I would love the church. I love, I love people to see the church and the first class that came to mind is, you know, they, they're, they're critical and they're loving. They're critical thinking and they're loving and they're, <laughs> yeah, like, they're critical. Yeah. yeah, they think critical already. They're critical thinking and they're loving and they're willing to engage. You know, and, and I just, and I wish those were the labels associated with us. One of the things I want, I want to point out um, is that, like you said, just because you're questioning doesn't mean you're anti-church. And one of the things that I said before this podcast, which I'm sure people will hate me for this, but it's the, it's, it's like the Beyonce analogy. I personally feel Beyonce is Ooh, a little danger overrated. Danger zone, danger yeah. zone. <laughs> and what do people hear? Whoever's listening, are you mad right now? Patrick's getting hate mail for sure. Yeah, I like, you're probably mad because you're hearing me say, like Beyonce sucks or like she's not good or like she people shouldn't love her but that's not just because I'm saying like she like people like her probably more than they should that doesn't mean that I don't like her that I don't appreciate her as an artist or she's not one of the best like top five artists of like my time or whatever and I feel like with the church in disagreement it can be the same thing and with feminism in the church like I remember at a, at a conference recently you said that like men like do not be threatened by like the rise of your Christian like sisters that's like it's a weird thing but you have to point that out like just by saying like women need to have more of a voice in the church or women need to like have more representation like that does not automatically equate to like men are like the the reason for all of our problems and like it's your fault and like we're coming for you no i just think it's but everyone has to shift right because there has to be a recognition that okay like the the box that i thought women would sit in that's not necessarily that so then for guys too, like, you know, there's a UN campaign called He for She, where like men have to step in and say, hey, feminism and the, the, uh, the principles of equality are not just a women's fight. They're a humanity fight. And men are a huge part of that because we hold the reins of power in so many situations. And so He for She, I think, is just a perfect example of, hey, we need our brothers in Christ to step up and say, why aren't there more women sharing their gifts you know, why, why, like to notice in our churches, like, why are the women only doing certain things? How come there's no one at the pulpit ever? You know, like, are there spiritual gifts that we're not tapping into? And that, that is a huge enabler. I cannot even like, I can't even explain. And the other thing to watch for, I think, in the dynamics of the church that I've always found interesting, take a look around your churches. Take a look at the women that have chosen careers 
um, and, and the God-given vision and see how many of them are single. I think that's a very, it's, it's a documentary that I've actually wanted to do for a while because I've been at so many churches across North America and it's like there is an uncanny number of very strong career driven women that cannot find a partner in the church. Why is that? Is that because we can't figure out how life looks like when women are driven and passionate and have their own goals and dreams because if you don't fit into that box where do you fit and so i think you will see that discrepancy a lot with uh especially my son uh but also my daughter it's more my son that needs to learn this (laughs) but uh with his sports i'm always trying to instill into him your success does not necessitate the failure of others. So when he's playing well, he can be successful even if he doesn't win the game. He can be successful even if he doesn't get as much ice time as he would like. He like your success does not mean the downfall of others and and it applies here. The success of women does not mean the failure or downfall of men. In fact, it will help and increase the success of everyone if we see the women in our churches and our communities be more successful. It's the team mentality, and it comes right from Genesis, where where God created a woman to help, help, be a teammate, be another player in the game. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think it's like from the beginning, God's like, You're, this is good, and I, I created you perfectly and wonderfully made. Like That's how he made us, and yet somehow, we get all twisted and turned around about like, what? You can't like, uh, why are we benching half the team? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's happening? Half the team, you yeah. know? And, and I just think like we, like all I need to do is go out in nature and see God's creativity and complexity in, in what he's made. Mm-hmm. And so why do we think that we serve a God who's so creative and complex with creation, but then his most beloved beings, he's like, no, here's two boxes and you fit into one or two. Yeah. Here's the categories and it's set, right? Like it doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me versus God saying, I have given gifts lavishly to my children and I'm going to use you and I'm going to set you on different paths and, and, and it's all for my glory and all for kindred and glory. But we don't, we don't, why don't we embrace that? Yeah. Why don't we embrace that as a church? Yeah. On the way here, we were listening to a song um, by an artist that I really like, and he has this song uh, where he talks about um, like, there's a problem in rap where, you know, there's not enough women in the game. And uh, at the best of times, it's men rapping about women. Even in his situation, he's like, I'm rap- like, I'm rapping about women empowerment, but that's still only half the view. That's still only half the yep, truth. Right. So like, even though like men can be, um, you know, like supportive and like, you know, write songs about women or talk about women's empowerment, it's still only half the, the story unless you're hearing from women themselves. So like, you need to have that whole picture. Yeah, men and women. view for sure. Yeah. And um, one thing I think we can uh, probably wrap wrap up on or uh, like come to a close, close on is, I, I sense with most most things, I'm not like conspiracy, conspiratorially minded where I think like people are like in these seats of power and like using levers to oppress like, you know, intentionally and saying like, oh, 
I like I'm in the seat and I'm like not going to let women do, you know, uh, that because it threatens my power. It's systemic. It's like there's a, t- a bunch of little decisions that are made uh, like along the way in like in little areas of life that collect and like create a society that just naturally does it. So we don't have to think about it. It's mm-hmm. just easy. What are some of the things in your opinion? Obviously, it's opinion. Um, but what are the some some of the little things that we can change or things that we can do in our church communities um, and just with each other in our like brother sister relationships in our like uh, father you know daughter relationships? What are the little steps that we can take to start um, eliminating some of that uh, systemic problem of um, like giving women less of a platform? I think the first thing is to identify uh, in your church as a whole spiritual gifts. So whether that's teaching, whether that's shepherding, whether that's pouring into kids, generosity, like to really flesh that out within your congregation. And within that, as you see the people come forward, as you see the people say, hey, this is the gifts that God's given me or something that I believe that's in me and hasn't been brought out in any way, then you start giving them plat- platforms for those gifts. Because I think a lot of times we talk about these gifts peripherally, but we don't actually apply them to anything practically. And so how can we as we acknowledge, and one that just sticks out to me is like, if there's teaching, because that's, that's usually the missing thing where you don't see a lot of women teaching, you know, identify who those women are. And maybe they need some like training and maybe they need to be mentored or put with someone that can get them to a place that maybe they speak in two years from now, but who's going to plant that seed to help them grow into everything that the Lord wanted them to be. But if we don't even know people's spiritual gifts, we have nowhere to start. Yeah, I would, I would also, you know, I kind of mentioned this before, but really viewing each other as brothers and sisters. Like, that is such a mind shift. That's different than society, how they view it. You know, you can view it as friends. You can view it as uh, potential relationships. But do we view each other as brothers and sisters? And when we make that mind shift in the church, how does that impact the way that we interact with each other? How does that impact the way we encourage each other? What opportunities we have open up for each other? And so I think that we need to be honest with ourselves and say, you know, when, when I interact with men in my church, how do I view them? Do I view them as my brothers? Like, do I? And what does that mean? What does that mean the way I interact and, and, and the way that I approach them, right? Instead of it always being this, uh, this gap. And I think if we have that mindset of a community, really a family, like we are the body of Christ, then we let people operate in their giftings, like Molly was saying. But I, I very rarely have, like, like, for example, I still feel like if I go into a church or, or even in my church, um, you know, growing up, if I was in my church growing up and there was like a guy, a new guy that walked in and I went and said, hi, they're like, oh, you like him? Like, you know, yeah. oh, you're interested? Like, there's of course all you this, must be. You must be because yeah. you went and, 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 and took time to get to know someone. Like, is that the posture we take versus there is a new person in our church and we welcome them and that's a, that's a brother in Christ, you know, and, and, and the difference between those kinds of interactions. I, I think, think it goes down to those like minute levels. Yeah. And I think the questions that we ask each other are really, really important. So for, for little kids, I know Melanie and I, when we talk to little girls, we're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, mm-hmm. like, what do you think God has for you? You know, like pushing them on like, even beyond what they're thinking of, Okay, so what what would that look like? You know what I mean? And we and we have these fun conversations with some of the little girls that we get to pour life into, and you know, and and I don't think it's ever too young to to be like pushing people on their dreams or like you know I love we love it when they're like I want to be an astronaut. We're like yeah, yeah that's like the top job ever. That's amazing. Yeah, you know like, what I mean? Those are the coolest yeah. people on earth. Yeah, they literally yeah. are the coolest be people. An astronaut. So you know, just to like encourage that out of people. And I think the other part for people that are a little bit older. 
uh, for men and women in the church, I think, uh, especially if you're in that singles category where you've kind of passed that, I don't know, the prime of the <laughs> church, whatever that 25, a sweet number is, you know, I think to talk to each other, not in ways like think about how we talk to each other, right? Like it's always like, Oh, are you dating anyone? It's like, okay, that's like a fine question to ask, but like, maybe you should not be like asking. I feel it's always asked like that, but I think it's like, what is the Lord doing in your life? That is a great question for people like do we ask that in the church on a, on a weekly basis as we're like meeting people like not just like how are you I'm good and it's very surface what is the Lord doing in your life because then you get to see whoa the God like maybe God has to do with like, relationships and maybe it has yeah. to do it with volunteer do with maybe it has to do with your just personal devotional yeah, time and it's with him. dual purpose if I'm not asked that how often do I think about right. it totally so right. the opportunity to even like think about oh I don't know and then I think about it, and then I come back three days later. Oh, okay, here's my answer, and they yep. have no idea what I'm talking about. Like at least no, I've come but to it, that point. it opens up a whole different depth of conversation yeah. that breeds that brother sister relationship. That also breeds the fact that you can, you know, what the Lord is doing in people in your church, yep. and then you can take them and say, "Whoa, the Lord is doing that. Let's take that and infuse it somewhere in the body to build and to edify." Do you know what I mean? But if yeah. we don't know any of those things, we have no starting point. So I just think that is just a great question in life uh, as you're talking to your brothers and sisters in Christ because I think it just opens up. And, and, I, and I would add to that too. I think uh, any leadership at church needs, needs to also be intentional about opportunities that they create um, and um, the way that they encourage, I'd say, you know, young people and especially young women in the church. And if, and if they think that opportunities will just happen, <laughs> statistically showing it's not. So, you know, I put that, I think leadership has a lot of responsibilities and this is one of them in, in creating an environment, in, the, in, in being diligent in, in asking themselves these big questions that we've been talking about today and saying like, you know, we had this woman come up as, as teaching how are we going to create? How are we going to be intentional to create spaces for them to start getting the training that they need? This other person has a gift of administration. How are we creating opportunities that they can be mentored so we can start flourishing as a church, not just inside but outside? Yeah, that's awesome. I uh, have one yeah. last question. It's a doozy, but I have. Uh, I just, just want to hear some. I know there's some final words. So I want to hear some final words. Um, but before that, let's uh, let's doozy it up. Okay, so doozy. it is a doozy, but. It doesn't have to be a long answer doozy. Um, just a tiny doos. Just a tiny doos. <laughs> um, so I know that within the P2C context, there is a lot of, um, or historically, there has been a lot of conservatism in uh, views on men and women's roles, some complementarian, reformed. Um, so we've been talking about feminism today, which... I'm going to operationally label like increasing or em empowering the the empowering women, just period. Um, do you have to be an egalitarian to empower women? So it's a long answer that I'll probably redub the question better. But like, do you have to? Do you have to espouse an egalitarian point of view where you're like, I'm not gonna like truncate women's roles down into this narrow view. Can that person still take on the role of empowering women and being a feminist? Can you have a feminist complementarian? I think is my question. I think we just take the example of Jesus, right? If as Christians, our life is, is, is to follow Jesus, let's just take his example. Let's take his posture with 
with people. Um, let's take his posture with women. Like, let's just, let's, like, when you talk about even, like, the, the idea of masculinity, I didn't see Jesus as this, like, you know, uh, you know, WWF fighter coming out. That's not the way that he was, right? Like, and so I would, you know, we just have to go back to the source. The Bible, Jesus' example, that is the source. And, and, I, and I think we're, you know, if you get into the technicalities of, you know, uh, um, should women speak or not in church or not in the church and all those fights that, you know, churches get all riled up against. Like, even if we push that aside, I think it goes so much deeper to like our viewpoint on interacting with people of differing viewpoints than our own and, and how we just treat another human being and what's our posture. And if we go back to Jesus' example, I think a lot of these other issues, like they're not gonna be perfectly come to a perfect conclusion on, but we're gonna have a very different type of dialogue around it. Yeah, I think uh, you definitely can empower women and be a complementarian for sure. Uh, I think as we've talked about this entire hour is that feminism is very complex and that word is not something that uh, you can just say and that people just understand right away what you mean. And I think that's actually a good thing for us as as Christians, as believers uh, in Jesus, because it means that we get to flesh something out with people around us and we get to be honest and open and vulnerable and say we don't know at times. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And I think we can process that. And maybe we come out in a different space five years from now with our walk with the Lord. That's the whole point. We don't have it together. We don't know everything. That's why we need a savior. Yeah. That isn't that's that was exactly what I wanted you to say because I'm we look for it. Did I read the script right? Did I read into the script? I don't want someone who's a complimentarian to immediately just go and shut this podcast off because they're like they don't fit my belief my belief system. So I can't I can't listen to what these women even have to say about this. But I think we if if we are going to shut ourselves off to things that we just disagree with then we as Christians are not understanding the complexities of our world. Yeah, completely. And the fact that we have to live and abide and and love people in the midst of so many things that we disagree with. That's just the world we live in. But God says, go be salt and the light in that world. And so anytime we, we want to turn off our viewpoints to anything else, I think that's dangerous. People out there that have social media feeds, hey, fill them with the speakers and, and, the, and the newspapers and all these things that you love, but fill it also with the things that you totally disagree with. Yeah. You know why? Because you can start to understand another person's point of view. And when you do that, you can empathize with them and you can see things from a different viewpoint. And that's what Jesus did every single time he approached people. Sounds like you guys are pro-Jesus. Like you, <laughs> kinda, you keep, you keep coming back. Fan. You keep we're coming bit, back to him as an girl. example. Yeah, we're we're fangirls fan for sure. Basically what we're trying to decide is are you on our team or, <laughs> <laughs> or not? But I think with that, pro, with that pro-Jesus stance, I think it's so important for Christians, um, regardless of, of their vocation, to be, to be willing to say that they're Christian outside the church. You yeah. know, and, and, and people may have been hurt and had bad experiences also as a childhood, but as a child in the church, but being willing to be like, no, I am a Christian and here's the unpacking of that in today's society. And here's where I stand on these issues or here's what I'm struggling with. Like, do we do that? Do we like outwardly tell people that we follow Christ, yeah. you know, and, and what a difference that's going to be in our, um, in sharing the gospel. And that's a depth that requires a depth of relationship, but that is everything that the Lord asks us to be. And it's all he asks us to be, is to be honest, open, vulnerable to his spirit and to live our lives out, right? And he will do the rest of it. And so I just think, yeah, 
we're fangirls for Jesus for sure. <laughs> it's, the, it's the modern, uh, it's the modern equivalent of Jesus freak. You're like, Definitely yeah. Jesus girl. Hey, de- yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh man, we loved, we loved that band. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. Can that be the one. intro music to this podcast? Yeah, that'd be oh, amazing. Jesus freak yeah. or independent women. One of the yeah. two. Independent women obviously is the right choice here. Well. Uh, when you guys first said DC, I went DC Talk, you were Destiny's Child. It's okay. But DC Talk, that's what I'm saying. We yeah. also love DC Talk as well as Destiny's Child. So yeah. Yeah, you just want to clear that up. Dip you your toe that. in both yeah. pools. Oh, for yeah, sure. yeah. They're far apart, but you can reach. You can stretch <laughs> and you'll get there. I, this is an amazing conversation. I think that's a great way um, to wrap it up. I have like a bonus round that I'm like, just it's just so we can use it or not. Um, but we didn't we didn't get the my favorite part, the pet peeves. Do you guys have any pet peeves, like things that people like say to you, like in in like the church and culture that it just like, I if someone says that to me one more time, I'm oh, it's be, the it's the dating question for sure. Yeah, like who are you dating right now? I'm like, what? I don't even know you. I want to know. Like Ten views back, like what? Why are you yeah. asking me that question? What a weird question to ask. I want to know who you go to church with that talks like that so much. With the head, with the, the head, head oh, bob. Man. Oh, you guys, oh, really? Oh, you guys are both married, yeah. so you know what? You're like, it's a you're different story. And you're, and you're men. Yeah, yeah, no one ever asked me. Oh I'm like, maybe someone should. Yeah, because because you guys have a forever, you don't have an expiry date, yeah, right? right? And so for women, especially in the uh, church, it's like, uh, you know, like, isn't this that time? It's like, okay, like, why don't you just ask me the right. other question yeah. about what the Lord right. is doing? Because I have so much to tell you. Yeah, I, that's totally default. I mean, even like a couple months ago, I just had a kind of a career switch and everyone in my circles knew that I was like really going to God and being like, God, I don't know what you want me mm-hmm. to do with my life. I don't know how you want to use my skill sets. And I and I got this new job and I was so pumped about it. And I went to church and I was like, guys, I have big news. And they're like, you You're got dating. a boyfriend? <laughs> and I was like, seriously, guys, you just killed. You just killed me on that yeah. one. You know, like there goes the news. You don't even deserve the news. You don't even deserve the news. You know, but like that, I haven't even been talking about that. There's something I've been talking about and praying into. But like our default is what's your relationship status? You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. We want to be wrong. very clear about that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. But like, is that our? Is that what we always lead with? That's yeah. my. It's not. It's not against relationships. It's is that the only thing as Christians that's on our mind? That's such a difference. Like I was dating for like a month and a half before I started like thinking maybe I should tell people. Like nobody's even asking. Like, <laughs> like what's, a, what's a normal scenario for you yeah, to bring that's up? Not, like that's not the same for women. The There's a big difference opposite. between men and women well, in that for sure. And yeah. it never stops because okay, you're in a relationship. When are you getting married? Right. When you're getting married. When, when you're having kids. kids. When, when you're having your next kids. Yeah. It's, it's like, expectations versus being open to the fact that God could do anything in your family. Yeah. And you could have planned things one way. You could think you're going to have a big family and God could be like, I don't want that for you. I want something else right. or yeah. unconventional family or whatever. And you can have the whatever. most traditional life that you didn't even want and God said that this is what I want you to take. Yeah. Or you can have the God moves you different countries every six months, yeah. right? Like, are we, let's just be open to that. Like what a crazier, awesome, more exciting life to go with God's plan than like our, I don't know, expected journey. Okay. But that wasn't lightning round. That we we dove that's, deep there. That's the biggest one. I I, I feel like it's impossible not no, to deal to dive uh, deep with the Thomas sisters. I know we we talk too much. Sorry. No, that James was great. James one nineteen. We sit definitely with me, sit with me. Uh, like that's how I go to like different churches around the country. Sit sit beside me, and I'll tell you all my pet peeves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just sit beside me. I'm like, this is a pet peeve. Yeah, we that's have a, a lot. Peeve. If we like actually sat down, I mean, like God's Just, working on our hearts because we judge, and yeah. so God's working yeah. on both of us. Yeah. yeah. 
That is a that is a wise word, I think. <laughs> I feel like I'm probably probably working on me too. I'm like I'm so excited to hear all the pet peeves yeah. and the judgments, and I'm like, oh, Pat let's uh-oh. dish. Yeah, <laughs> Come on, and, and you I, guys, and I, are, and I do it. Yeah, you, know? yeah. And you guys and, like, are like, no, we're gonna follow Jesus on this yeah. one. And we're like, oh, that's so funny. No, impatience, I think, is huge, right? Because yeah. you you want to see change fast, especially when it comes to women and the growth of them and the empowerment in the church. Like we would love to see like people just running it's good it's it does take time and we have to always go before the lord and, and ask for patience but also ask the lord what is our role in this now that you have us in a place where we do feel like we're running with you god and that we are proud of you know who you're developing us to be in you how can we now instill that in other in other women so that they're they're just more excited about how god made them and also you know and i need and i and i have to go to god on this that it's constantly like God's like I'm I am moving and I am using the church and I'm doing my work through the church and so there are there you know we live in a broken world and there's progress to be made but there's a lot of great things that the church is doing too and so you know I don't want to I don't want to come out that the church is all bad because it's not it's God's it's God's body and we are you know and the church is, has been influential and and done so many amazing things not just in Canada but around the world um, but there's but there's improvements there's there's progress to be made. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, I, I hope people will take that posture even in listening to this, is that like this isn't the final word or like closing the book. And it's like it's the exact opposite. Maybe for some people it's the first words that you hear about this topic. And that's that's the heart that we have behind this is that we just want to start the conversation, like say some things, be even wrong about some things, be willing to be wrong about things, be willing to learn and just... If, if this even inspires like one conversation, like it would be, it'd be great because we need to talk about this kind of stuff more. And we're really thankful for having people like you who are so vocal about it and who have a lot of things to say, because I think we, we need to use that voice more often in the church. And we want to learn too, right? So if there's people out there that listen to this and say, I don't agree with that. Or I, when I read the Bible, I see something different. Like, please reach out to us. We're on yeah. social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter, like find us. And like, ask those questions because because we are not immune to learning we want to be open and flexible to learning more about god and we definitely do not know everything we're not even close we're just babies and so it's it's a great conversation to be able to have other christian brothers and sisters that say hey what about this or this is the way i see it and like maybe we can grow and learn in the lord together that's good yeah, and no matter what you say, you're always not saying something else. So, like, I feel like we're probably going to do a follow-up to every single episode that we do with people saying, like, oh, but you didn't cover this, you didn't talk about that, or, like, oh, you neglected this. You Like, you can't say everything. So, this is just the beginning. And we got beginning. a lot to say always. Yeah. So, you <laughs> know, uh, just tell us the next topic. There will yeah, we'll definitely be, be some part twos. We might uh, do a little re-invite for the singleness talk, because I, I have a sneaking suspicion that there's... Uh, I know the theme music to that yeah, one. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> we got a little Beyonce back in the, in the not. Mix. Not bad, just a little overrated. overrated. She's great, though. (laughs) Well, we want to thank the Thomas sisters, Molly and Melanie, uh, for coming on the show today. And uh, we want to thank you for listening. And so we'll catch you in our next episode when we talk about the undiscussed. This episode of Undiscussed was produced by Patrick Erskine and Eric Humphrey. Editing done by Ben Skinner, and the music was produced by Ian Post. Go to p2c.sh slash undiscussed to find more episodes, show notes, and information about our podcast. That's p2c.sh slash undiscussed. 
Also, remember to subscribe if you like what you hear, and you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at UndiscussedPod, all one word. If you've got feedback for us, don't leave it undiscussed. Next time on Undiscussed, we talk to Greg Coles about sexual identity. So I went to a youth group and there would be moments that they would split up the boys and the girls. And invariably, when they split up the boys and the girls, it meant they were going to talk about sex. And and the thing that they that they told the boys about sex was was basically like, here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to want to look at naked women, but don't look at naked women. And I found after experiencing a number of those talks, I was like, I am really remarkably good at not looking at naked women. So I was feeling like the holiest 11 year old in the world for a short period of time. It took me a little while to recognize that I in fact did have a sexuality. Um, it just it just wasn't the, the one I had been being told to expect.